going on everybody and welcome back to the bread and sports podcast a uh, bit of a bit bit of a few things to talk about got grand final world cup off season drama the league world never stops even when the season does i'm joined as always by the nos what's happening not much mate just enjoying the off season with uh both my overseas teams killing it at the moment <laughs> yeah it's good when you can focus on something other than rugby league i've um been driving myself bored into the earth at the moment, so no, um, I've been nocturnal, staying up until one a.m. Then what? Getting up at four a.m. So it's, <laughs> it's getting uh, up at bloody easy. twelve, staying up till twelve thirty, watching the first game of the World Cup only for the, <laughs> the broadcast to be an absolute shit show. Which that was pathetic. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. A uh, few things we haven't touched on yet. We've had time now to settle the grand final has come and gone. Mate, first and foremost, um, the game itself, the spectacle itself, the the West, the, the Western Sydney derby, um, what did you make of the grand final? The most overhyped and underwhelming grand final of all time. It was, I think they did a pretty good job uh, trying to convince people that Parramatta were actually in this when they, when they weren't. And I, I fell for that as well. So it was a very yeah. one-sided grand final. I... I understood the fairy tale and, you know, we in sport and especially in rugby league, we all love a good fairy tale. Unfortunately, I just personally, I couldn't see it. I tried to many, many times this year. I think I didn't write Parramatta off when we were going through the, um, you know, who we think's a, a real challenge and who's not. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I didn't write them off. No, um, I don't think you did. But yeah, it's... <sighs> And we'll get to both teams individually um, in a sec when we review the the top four. But it's it it was a real showing of class, um, and it's something that I think is becoming more and more prevalent over the over the past three, four, five years in our game. Is that even when teams are evenly stacked in terms of you know having good forwards, having good backs, having a good spine, that there's more intricacies into it, you know, we, for, for his whole career, we could never find out why Cam Smith was as good as he was. And it, it almost took until he left. And even though they've replaced him with Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, you, you sort of just sit there and you go, the storm aren't the storm anymore without him, you know? Yeah. It, it, there's just, there's certain players that once they let, you know, why why the Roosters, you know, fall off? Once Cronk retired, you, you think, you know, you got this wonder kid in Sam Walker and Luke Keery's killing it. There's just certain players in our game that show you that there are things that, to the naked eye, we can't see. And I'm not trying to get all, you know, philosophy, you know, philosophy style with it. It's just, there's just players that, that change a game without you even noticing. So, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into, so look, back-to-back grand finals. We've spoken about this briefly, not on here, but it's just becoming a, you know, it just happens now. It, we, we we were talking uh, only the other night about Melbourne and how even through all their dominance, they, they never once went back-to-back. Um, and the last back-to-back was, was, you know, the Brisbane and Canberra days of the 90s or, or Manly or Para back in the 80s. Like, you, you, don't, you don't see it anymore. But the Roosters... Um, back-to-back in 18 and 19, and now the Panthers back-to-back premiers 21-22. It, for you personally, 
all the players that they lose, all the all the junior comps that they win, you know, it, it almost seems like such a, a perfectly well-oiled machine. What what is the new limits that this Penrith side can reach? Pretty scary because it's it's just sort of like a next man up mentality, and we even saw that when Cleary was out and during the they didn't lose a game during the Origin period, considering how many players they had out as well. I think it's just a strong winning culture, and those. Those players are used to winning grand finals, whether it's the SV Ball, Harold Matthews, Jersey Flag. They're just used to winning, used to success. So the overwhelming feeling of being the hunter doesn't bother them because they're they're naturally made winners. You, you know, we we speak uh, an awful lot in rugby league uh, circles about uh, what it is that a guy like Wayne Bennett or um, Craig Bellamy can do with a with an old forward who has lost their way or gotten into a bit of trouble and how they, they seem to just get the best out of them, squeeze the most juice out of them. It, this Penrith side, I mean, for example, Sean O'Sullivan, he, people probably didn't even know. The, the casual fan probably didn't know who he was until this year. He'd, he'd played for the Roosters, for Brisbane, for the Warriors. Like, he's been around not, not a long time, but long enough and um, gets, gets himself a deal with Penrith, knowing he was only going to play uh, three games, you know, minimum and whatever Cleary or Luai was unavailable for Max. So he didn't really get a lot of time to, to showcase himself, but he's earned himself a contract with the Dolphins off the back of it. And that's that's the sort of thing that Penrith are doing at the moment. Matt Burton, centre of the year, gets himself a, a you know, a big pickup deal with the, do- uh, with the Dogs. Um Appy, you know, had been around Souths, Manly, comes to Penrith, makes himself one of the best nines in the game, post-Cam Smith, yeah. and, and earns himself a big contract. Um, Kurt Capel, he'd been, he'd been kicking around for a long time um, mm. and became, a, you know, a big, a big signing for us last year. So it's one of Queensland's best in 2020 in the Origin exactly. Series as well. So Penrith just, yeah, like you said, it's, it's scary to think but what they're getting out of players and the sort of the sort of ideals that these guys have had growing up, they're so used to success. They're so young, um, but you're already just getting so so used. To it. It's 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 almost Golden State like how how the lines you know the stars all aligned and and you've got the you know Steph Clay and Draymond become this big three for the next you know eight nine years sort of thing and win multiple multiple championships in that time you're starting to see that now with Penrith where they are you've only seen them in three grand finals but you just know that we're not even close to the peak of any of these guys mountains just yet no nowhere near it and it's it's very frightening for the for the general fan you know it's it could be a very boring next 10 years or five or six or you know hopefully it's it's always hard to it's always hard to swallow like what you want from your team versus like the greatness that you're witnessing in other teams. I yeah. feel. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, we'll get through the other four. Ta- I mean, Penrith, obviously this year, like you said, there was probably only one area they could improve and it's not really improving. It's just not losing games during origin time. And this year they didn't lose any during origin time. Um, like what? How are you even meant to to rate Penrith's season as a whole? It's just dominant. It's probably one of the most dominant seasons we've seen to date. You know, considering 
how they went during Origin, how they responded with having both their halves out for the for the run home, and and even how they how they came back when those players could have been rusty, but they weren't, and they didn't lose a, a foot footing. Uh, you know, I even said, like, I, I didn't buy into Para beating them in the grand final, but I said week one of the finals, I thought that I thought they'd get them. And Penrith just, yeah, they're just the perfect year, perfect way to finish it. Um, nothing more can be said, but we'll, we'll move on because I'm sure, like you said, it'll probably be about 10 years worth of talking about all these Penrith players. And um, I know how much you love Penrith, so... <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to have to stop us here. But Parramatta, mate, this year, um, uh, it was a very up and down year for them. Obviously, they got they got to the big dance in the end. Couldn't get the job done. But as a, as a whole, how do you rate uh, Parramatta's season? Well, it's better than their last three, where they've got knocked out in week two of the finals. So, I think getting past that week two mark, making the grand final, look. It's a pass mark for them. It's it's a good season, but I think this, if they had to make a grand final in the easiest year, it would have been this year. So, yeah, um, they performed when it mattered in most of the games, but still very inconsistent, and you just don't know what Parramatta team you're going to get. You you know we talk about um, some of the some of the future stars in our game. And how they burst onto the scene this year. And I know not every team can do that, but we sort of know what we're going to get. And and that was sort of the, the mantra for for Para this year is like, this is their year. They're not going to get another chance like this, but there's no young emerging stars coming through. Granted, Dylan Brown is very young, but you sort of, you sort of knew this season was the year for them with all the departures that they've got. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I I thought it was a good year for Para, but I also think there's still just um, it's it's maintaining that level. It's not getting embarrassed by certain teams, um, and, and and you know it's like there's 16, well 17 next year, but there's there's always been 16 teams, and every team is an NRL team. Like when you lose, it's it's not like you you know your Premier League. Uh, teams losing in a you know Carabao or FA Cup sort of thing, you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. you're yeah. always going to be playing against teams yeah. that should be in and around your level. So I'm not trying to 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 dispute when a Bulldogs or a Tigers beat Parramatta, but for a team that wants to be up there and challenging your Penrits, your your Roosters, your Melbournes, you you need to just bring it week in week out. Um, and I think that's one thing that Parramatta will have to to, you know, make common practice for the next year is maintaining a level and never never falling beneath that level of, of what we know they can achieve. Yeah, definitely. It's just a matter of consistency. And like you said, it's if they want to be a premiership contender, it's you got to have your, your hand around every team's neck every week and you can't let go. Yeah, you got to put the foot down. Um, exactly. Mate, we got two teams left to talk about. Uh, in terms of season reviews, it's t- two of your two of your weak spot teams. We'll start <laughs> with we'll start with the cows. I mean, wow! Like honestly, and I'm not trying to put it all down to the coach because these guys were all here last year as well, and what they've managed to do, what they've managed to buy into and believe is is phenomenal. But the Cowboys' year this year, how do you say it, mate? Well, at the start of the season, you didn't think anything of them. But, like, 
you look back now and you look at that team on paper and you're like, geez, how did we miss that? Like, they were a really good team and they they sort of dropped off like the Eels after Origin and you thought, all right, this is this is probably the end of them going out in straight sets, but they kind of, you know, kicked it up a notch, you know, winning week one and getting to a prelim- preliminary final. It was uh, certainly a massive improvement for them. So it's uh, yeah. been a really good season for them. I think, like you said, you know, like it's it's one of those things where we didn't even pay attention, but it's like how how did we miss the fact that they've got a Val Holmes, a Taumalolo, and obviously, you know, anyone trying to say that they thought Nanai was going to kick on the way he did this year or or Dearden or Drinkwater, all these young guys. Townsend, everyone was laughing at the signing. Oh, mate, like I, I can't name one person that I thought, you, you know, that said, oh, I think that Dearden and... Townsend would make a good halves combination. I, th- I I was trying to wrap my head around it this time last year, or you know when they signed him, and just thinking this can't work. This isn't an improvement. But you know, happily proven wrong. Todd Payton, God, he just he he just got the best out of these guys, and and um yeah, he can hang his hat on on a fantastic year. Definitely, um, mate, they came home. That, they were marching like they wanted to get back in the league at the end of this year. Bloody <laughs> South Sydney. I just, I mean, out of nowhere, you know, for all money, I was saying all year, no, I don't see it, can't see it. They've fallen off. I'm telling you that they they don't have it anymore. And, you know, just like a lot of things, if I if I had to put my money on it, I would have lost lost a lot of money on, on saying Souths won't make the eight, that, that will be in the eight and that you guys will just miss out. None of those things happened. Um, instead, South Sydney came home with a wet sail, Latrell, Cody Walker. I mean, they just, they just, they are so, so dominant together. And it's not your your classic uh, Thurston and Bowen or Cronk and Slater. It's it's its own thing. They they just play backyard footy with one another. You know the ball's going left. You know Johnson's gonna be the final pass, but still they just they they do, they get it right every single time. Exactly, um, mate. South Sydney this year. What do you make of them? Yeah, well, they did have a you know a couple of teething issues at the start, and losing Latrell for an extended period of time probably didn't help. But you know, once once Latrell came back, he just he doesn't need he's not like a Dylan Edwards or a Ryan Pappenhausen type fullback. He just his presence alone lifts everyone in that team. You know, it was like Lachlan has got another foot added to his height. Cody Walker just knew. If he threw that pass out the back, Latrell would be there waiting for it. You know, it's that whole team just lifted once he came back, and it's probably he's probably one of the most influential players in the comp. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and obviously for us, like it, you know, we all play super coach, and it's not the the right parameters to go by. But it, you can really tell, like he he can he can go five ten minutes without doing anything, and the the second that he decides to do something, it's always something big. It's always you know. It's just it's he's a very loud player. Once he gets the ball in hand, he 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 bides his time, and once once he says, "All right, give me the ball, I'm on here," um, he he just makes great things happen around him. And and yeah, South Sydney. I mean, he's the he's not the captain, obviously, but he's the heart and beat of that team. Um, I I just think I think even without Reynolds, um, and I know that you know your Cooks and your Walkers are, are getting older, 
But I just think Latrell Mitchell, he still has so many gears left to go, and already what he shows us on a week on a weekly basis is it's scary hours when he's on. So yeah, South Sydney really impressive. Um, and and there's only one way from here. They, they can only they they're actually only going to get even better for the run this year, which is yeah. the scariest part. Especially so. with a young halfback and um, an experienced five eight. So it's, they got the perfect mix for a, for a team on the up. Well, I you know, and I also just on that, I, I can't remember who I was listening to speak about it, but um, you know, it, a lot of people obviously had a lot to say about Lockie Ilias at the start of the year. We didn't even really think he was going to be the first pick at the start of the year. We thought Taff was. Um, he got hooked in that game against St George, and then came back and 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 really you know showed us that he can be a halfback in this league. And it's funny because. Mitchell Moses, in a similar situation, you know, young halfback, unproven, and once he got his own team in the World Cup, Lebanon, um, that experience for him was huge. And and Lachlan Ilias this year, um, getting to play for Greece, where he'll really be in control of that team. It'll be his team. Um, he'll be the he'll main be the man there. And, yep. I, I, you know, I'm not expecting anything big from Greece in, in this World Cup, but... What it can do for Lockie Ilias in the long run and, uh, you know, just how it mirrors what Mitchell Moses went through before he became, you know, a household name in the, in the NRL. I think you're going to see a lot of similarities off the back of uh, this World Cup campaign from Lockie Ilias. For sure. Um, all right. Well, that's that's all the teams done and dusted. We'll get into some pre-season reviews once we've got a few more signings closer to the season date and all the rest of that good stuff. But some off-the-field dramas, we sort of uh, not saw this coming, but you knew that uh, post the the Jersey skate drama that that wasn't going to be the end of it. Um, Scott Penn's made his decision. He sacked, sacked Des Hasler. Look, not a lot of people, I don't think anyone agrees with it at all, but... How do you look at the situation as a whole? Was it the right move? Was it the wrong move? What were the you know the intention? What what did you see play out from from this whole manly debacle? Well, I think it just became more of a Mexican standoff when you know once that jersey came out and the playing group felt like they were blindsided by the head office and there's kind of publicly through the the head office under the bus and. They kind of backed each other in a corner, and considering that happened, it was probably the only, you know, way that this could have ended. And I don't think Des staying next year could have um, would have made things any better. It just would have been going on and on and just distracting the players. So it's probably good they got it out of the way now. You know, not saying it's the right thing to do, but the, you know. The situation needed a scapegoat. The situation needed someone to take the fall. And and they they went the easy option because the hard option, which would be to permanently divide the playing group by letting go anyone that decided not to play, the repercussions for that versus what they're facing now. Yep. Like when you went. Yeah. I think it's just a purely corporate decision because you can clearly see the direction Manly's going into with, with the decisions made by Scott Penn. They tried to, you know, have a politically correct, inclusive round when, 
rugby league is already inclusive for everyone. That jersey represents everyone. And, yeah. you know, it did, it, all that did was trying to promote inclusiveness, but created um, division. And, yeah. you know, Des Fazler called out the, the owner and, you know, Anthony Seabold's probably a modern day politically correct, not, not politically correct, but modern day a corporate ideal coach. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, 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 uh, pathway they're taking. And, you know, I think I have another theory. Well, a manly supporter told me this at work. You know how Scott Penn lives in the States? Yeah. He wants, he wants to, or South and, um, manly have been talking about having a game in the United States. Yeah. I think with all these decisions he's making, once they play that game in the United States, he'll be ready to sell the club because they're going to get more, um, more exposure, and he's just going to sell it for as much as he can to some, you know, the highest bidder in, in the state. Yeah, I, I have heard, I have heard that as well. And I, yeah. I, I look, I think, I think, like you said, um, a, a lot went into this, and obviously, the the multiple ways that you can look at this, um, it's not pretty, and it all ends in somebody having to go. Obviously, no yep. one thinks that Des is the the uninclusive one. That he has a problem with with anything that a jersey represents. He wasn't wrong for saying what he said about the administration's you know error. Um, but obviously, the club, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna pin the blame on themselves when they can pin it on Des. Um, and whilst the the fans and the faithful love Des, they want him there. It's it's one of those things where you just get rid of the one guy and although they're going to they're going to have a bit of pain for the next 6 to 8 months what, if if they just let the situation you know simmer and and keep cooking it could have it could have ended so much worse than this so real unfortunate for Des to go out like that but um it happened yeah. at the right time it needed needed to be ripped off fast and it happened you know, before they got back for preseason, and you know, who knows? They win three games in a row, four games in a row next year. This is all forgotten about. Well, that this is the second part to it. it I don't buy into it, but you know, apparently, Tommy, Jake, unhappy, uncertain, unclear what the the clubs, um, you know, what their decisions and what they're trying to do with the club. Do. You, do you buy into the the chance that Tom or Jake or any of those senior playing group members wouldn't want to stay at the club for the long term? I don't think so, but look, stranger things have happened. You I don't think they would want, you know, a way out right away because look, they they should just give it, you know, they they're going to test out the waters at Hanley and I don't think I don't think they'll leave. I think I think they'll stay. Um, yeah, so so do I. I don't. I don't. They're the heart and soul of that club. They grew up there. They love the joint. Um, but that would ruin Manly. Manly would lose their their, their whole identity. They'd just be a, a. They'd be the North Tigers now. Um, we'll move on then, mate. This, this is a huge blow. Huge. It just it doesn't get it doesn't get any better for for Wayne. We know he can pull a miracle out of his ass like no one else can, but another huge blow. Cam Munster re-signing with the Storm, 
taking 1.4 unders, I heard, on what uh, Wayne and the Dolphins were willing to offer him. <sighs> One, what does this tell you about, about Munster and what he wants? And two, what does this tell you about the Storm and what they told him to, to get him back on board for the foreseeable future? Does this mean that, that Bellamy may be staying, maybe he's not done? Does it mean that he knows who the next head coach is and it's someone that, that Cam's on board with? What what do you make of Cam Munster re-signing with the Storm? Well, I'm sure he's been told a lot of things about regarding the future of the club, but um, I think this is an, another, you know, this is good for his legacy as well. He's going to be up there now with with Smith and Slater for being one-club Melbourne players yep. and premiership winners, you know. He... He kind of cements himself into Melbourne Storm greatness, and this is better for his legacy going staying in Melbourne than it is going to the Dolphins. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. I also think, um, like you said, you know, he gets to be a one club player with with the names that you just mentioned, but it also gives him the chance to write his own page um, outside of their legacy. You know, we spoke about uh, Cherry Evans this year. You know trying to be the the next the next page of the Queensland book, you know, and break yeah. out from the shadows of the the, you know, your Thurston, Zinglis, Smith, Cronk, Slater, all that nonsense. Um and be be his own story. And and twenty twenty and this year, Ches got to do that. Munster still still unproven without those those Melbourne Storm guys around him at club level. Obviously at Origin we I mean, I can't honestly. I can't remember a player that stands out the same way that Munster does at Origin level. Um, but now he, Paps, Hughes, and Grant all together, they get to they get to write their own page as opposed to being a little blurb at the bottom of the page or the book rather, um, titled Smith Slater and Cronk. So, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a good move for him. I think it's the right move for him. I think a lot of people, including myself, thought he was gone, but seeing him stay, it it makes me think two things: one, that he cares about winning and that he wants to win, and two, that that his character. I know Wayne's not happy that he didn't call him, but I think his character to choose taking the the challenge with with the better side, but the challenge of winning a comp, being a one club man. Um, as opposed to going where the money is. You know, we always used to get mad at players not taking um, a bit less money to stay at a club where they could really challenge themselves. Um, this is a great move for him. Great move. Definitely. It's, it really is. A, it's a, look, he, he could have, you know, had a different direction with, regarding his legacy if he goes to the Dolphins and is successful. He probably becomes one of the greatest of all time. Either way, he, he will. That was a stupid comment, but you know what I mean. Like, no, I know either what you way, mean. if he got it done up there, it would be yeah. this like wow factor. But he's being realistic. Yeah, and I, th- I think, I think this is the better move for him. It's the right move. I think so as well. Um, yeah, and, and just on that, you know, and I know it was a long time ago. Now we're looking back fifteen years when the the Titans joined the comp, but we look at some of the names that went up there. You know, Scott Prince probably the main one. Um. He could have stayed at the Tigers, I imagine, at the time. And he was in a spot where he just made a grand final only two years before making that decision. Um, And 
he's not, you know, he's probably remembered as the Titans' best halfback, but it's not really worth anything at this point in time where he could have, you know, the Tigers, even after 05, was still a still a good side for a few years to come. Um, you know, Benji and Farrow were still right in the prime of their careers and Scott Prince could have stayed on um, with those guys. And and, and he chose the, the big money, the new club, the face of the, the franchise sort of thing. And and I do think that probably hindered his, um, you know, his legacy and, and and what he could have been had he stayed with the Tigers. So I do think Munster making the right decision against what what I think that Scott Prince did probably wasn't the best decision. So same with with Cooper Cronk, almost you know, like a champion halfback leaving to go to the rich, you know, the most high profile club in the NRL. And yeah. I think Cooper is is a champion player, one of the best. But you know, for those last two years of his career, he just became a mercenary. Well, it, they're very they're Cooper Cronk's Roosters rings are very um, Durant with the Golden State Warriors. You know, it's, yeah. As soon as he got there, we said for two, for two years, pretty much, we literally said, okay, all right, we just got to wait till it's till it's over. Like this isn't this isn't winning. This isn't big heroics. This is. We just have to wait two years because yep. this is this is what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, Munster re-signed. Good for him. Unfortunately, now we have to talk about the flip side. The Dolphins, mate, they don't get the, they don't get Munster. They miss Reese Walsh. They miss Ponga. Uh, don't see Latrell and Cody leaving. I don't even see Damien Cook going up there. I don't buy into the Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses story. They have, however. Sign the hammer, who came off the bench in a in the Cowboys side. Um, he's what he's donned a Queensland jersey, I believe. I believe he has yep. played a game for Queensland at least. Um, it, how like I know they need him to, but like that's that's not news to anyone. They need him to be a marquee signing, but can he be enough? Like, I, and I'm not saying. Can he carry them to top of the ladder next year? But for this side to compete for a top eight spot, can the hammer be enough um, to to get to you know to help them get into the top eight next year, playing in the one? Look, I still have them in my top eight next year because sort of like the Cowboys this year. We're, I think at the end of the year we're going to look at the team on paper and think, how did we miss that? Because there are a lot of good plays in that team and. I think, look, Sean O'Sullivan could easily be the buyer of the year and have a breakout year. Like, you look at Melbourne Storm's first halfback when they when they came into the comp. They bought a rookie, played a handful of games for the Knights, Brett Kamali. That's yep. what I. That's what I'm kind of comparing this to. I could be dribbling on here, but um, that's you know, and I I think they do have a lot of quality across the park. And oh uh, no, I th- I think yeah. on paper there's there's a lot more than what people are. You know, suggesting I look at at the very least, like I don't see them, you know, being bothered by teams like the Knights or the Tigers or even the Dragons next year. Yeah, I think they're sort of fighting in and around where the Bulldogs may land next year, sort of that next step up, and and Manly depending on on uh, the health with with their players and how they get on next year, and even teams like yours and mine. I think that's sort of where the Dolphins will will you know. That's that's their mark next year is to sort of be in that um, don't finish below eleventh sort of thing. 
and yeah. and try and aim for like a a seven to eight sort of spot. That's where I see the Dolphins fitting in next year. Yeah, um, I think I think people are saying, you know, oh, the pack is old and there's no marquee signings. You've got to remember this team is predominantly built of of Penrith players, Melbourne Storm players, and it's coached by arguably the the goat coach. The if not, he's a he's a top three. You know, you you couldn't shove him any anywhere below third. You'd probably only oh, have top three. Bellamy in and around that same spot, and maybe maybe Bellamy Sheens. That'd be Bellamy. It. No, Bellamy Gibson and Bennett, top three. Yeah, that, but that that'd be it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I I think, and you only have to look back as far as the 2020 Origin series. If you look at the guys, it's not just the fact that New South Wales was so good, but Wayne Bennett had Branko Lee and Edric Lee on one side of the field. In that side, um, yeah, Capewell playing out of position. Capewell playing out of position, and then last year he was in a grand final. Like he he didn't coach this year because he'd signed that new contract. But yeah. his two se- his last two seasons are as good as any any year beforehand that he's been a part of. So you 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 really can't like I I I know people are going to look at the side and say, oh, there's just there's no star power. This is a Wayne Bennett coach side, and that alone gets you right in and around that eight spot. Exactly. Um, can we th- can we think of a best thirteen for them yet? Do do you have a rough idea of how you think the team will line up? If you had to, if you had to choose, yeah, it it probably plenty of depth in the forwards so, so a few players are going to miss out like you forget they got Jared Wallace and Mark Nichols and you know where do they fit into the equation you know as well as you know Tom Gilbert will he play on the edge will he play at lock it's well it, assuming everyone's healthy i think we can all agree now that Hamiso will be the one you got yeah. Edric Lee and Asako on the wings and then you've got Branko Lee probably will play alongside Edric and who are we missing at center who I think there's a there's talk of Rob Van Van Ware or something. Is yeah, something one? like that. Yeah, and and then the halves. How do, how does that start? Are you going with you've got Nickarima, Milford, O'Sullivan, and Katoa to choose from? Who's your six? Who's your seven? I think O'Sullivan and Milford probably have to get first crack. Yeah, I, I, I think agree they're with that. they're perfect perfect. Milford needs a player like that, and O'Sullivan, you know, he does. He could just be the man manager. Yeah, um, and then you got Jesse and Mark Nichols, maybe, or Jared Wallace, one of the two. Herman Essay, yeah. pairing him in the front row, and then you've got a back three of Felice Fusi. You've got Kenny Bromwich and Tom Gilbert, and then at He'll nine, lock, yeah. Jeremy Marshall King was exceptional this year. One of the best. Big year. Like I, I, I kept saying, like I don't see a spot for him in this in this competition. Only a year ago, granted the dogs were not doing well a year ago, but this year, all I all I kept thinking was, imagine if you gave this guy some forwards to work with. He like, you know, he can really be on here. So, I think um, Marshall King a great signing for them, and and I think I think that starting thirteen right there. That'll get you home and hose. I think I think that's good enough. Exactly. It's it's a good team. It's a 
It's a well, well, well put out team, and you know, on the bench they probably have Nikarima and Ewan Aiken, so he he could also get a spot in the centres. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you and Aiken's there as well. So yeah, that, that, they yeah. they've got depth as well. They're not going to be a, a one trick pony next year. There's there's a few different players to choose from, and like you said, there's a few youngsters coming through. Um, you can imagine you can imagine Katoa must be pretty close to ready to play first grade. Um, after his year in the, in the lower ranks for Penrith this season, I, I, I think I think there's there's good upside to the Dolphins. There's good upside, and I think that they look like a team that that can play with unstructured eyes up footy, you know, as well. Like with Milford and the Hammer, you know, get him with a bit of space, you, you don't know what he can do. It's um, Marshall they, King they, and the Hammer around the ruck could be very dangerous together. Very dangerous. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, mate, last one for the year, the midging block. Obviously oh. now, Des, and the midging block, assuming that Seabold joins the Seagulls. So, so Des has been midged, although he's the first, he's the first coach to be midged with a, with a full head of luscious hair. If he's to unmidge himself, and by that I mean which clubs next year, which coaches are going to be on the midging block Early on, do we think? Probably Hook. Yeah, Hook, hook is and, definitely on the midging block. Yeah, hook, hook, Hook's about to get midged. And probably Adam O'Brien. <laughs> he, <laughs> he doesn't know favours for himself, that bloke. I, I agree with both of those. Do we think Holbrook, depending on how the first six to eight weeks of next year go, could he be on the midging block? Yeah, well, St. Helens are going to be looking for a new coach next year because their their current premiership winning coach is going to join Wayne Bennett, so he could probably go back there and win, win a quad. <laughs> and and I, this this would be revolutionary stuff. But could Midge get himself off the midging block next year? Could he find himself off the back of some tournament success? Possibly, could he get himself back into the the coaching ranks next year? I hope Midge comes to Canberra and you know provides a bit of bit of input and helps in creating a bit of success. So that could probably you know a successful World Cup and a successful time at Canberra could really do himself some favors. And who knows, he could end up at the Titans. He could be the kick up the ass the Titans need. I, I I think a Titans or a Newcastle, especially with the pack that Newcastle have, we know Midge yeah. is a very um disciplined, strict, you know, full-on training coach. I think if he could light a fire up the arse of some of those Newcastle forwards next yeah. year, they could and be that anything. that club in general. That, that culture in general needs to kick up the arse and uh, yeah. no better way than a good old mid-spray. If, if, you, if you were... We look at these bottom sides, I'm talking the Tigers, the Warriors, the Knights, the Titans, uh, the Dragons. Going into next year... If you had to, if you were if you were a free agent coach, and you're looking at these guys all start to form on the midging block, which is the which is the job that looks the most interesting to you out of those bottom tier sides that could be looking for a new coach early on next probably, year? Probably, probably Newcastle. Newcastle's probably the most appealing one. Um, I think. I, I, look, Manly are, are very thin on depth, and I think it's the same story every year for Manly. Once they get a few injuries. They they just go downhill. They're not deep. They're not a deep roster. And I don't think they're very fit either. I think they're a very unfit team. 
I think they will trim a bit of a bit of much needed fat off the team this year. We're not expecting them to re-sign Marty. Um, I think there are some young players that got a couple games in at the the Seagulls this year that I think, with the new coach Seabold, I mean he's got experience with Ethan Bullymore. He he'd probably get a bit more game time. He's a fit, fast front rower. Yeah. Um, we saw the the nephew of. Or, or was it the grandson of Fulton? Was it Zach Fulton? Zach Fulton, yeah, yeah, he's a good player. He was looking good. So there are KO Weeks coming through. KO Weeks was very fun to watch. Oh, just just on Manly quickly. Obviously, Manly promised Schuster the six jersey next year. Now Des is gone. A lot's going on at the club. How certain are you that Schuster walks into that six jersey next year? With the emergence of KO Weeks, and there's one other, there's one other name that's um, that's left me right now. But there's another youngster there as well, Finer, Finer, the, yeah. the young oh, Finer. No, he, Manasi Finer. No, not Manasi. There's another, oh. there's oh, another, another Finer at the at the club. There's well, there's like four. Oh, of them. Right, right, right. But if if you're if you're Seabold, how how certain are you that he's just going to throw the six jersey on the back of Schuster next year? Well, Schuster, you know, he, he turned down going to the World Cup to play for Samoa to um, to ultimately get fit and, and earn that 5-8 spot because we did see him struggle with his fitness throughout the year. So if he's still motivated and still working hard and he's fit by, you know, when November 1 starts or whenever the preseason starts and he trains the house down and has a killer preseason, he's probably the best player for that six jersey. Yeah, no, I, I he, agree. He has plenty of X factor, and um, yeah, it's just a matter of his mindset. I think it was uh, it was Latu Finer that uh, uh, his name was, it was was missing. But four year deal last year. Um, he'd only be seventeen at the moment, but he's he's really good. I mean, I know highlights um make any player look good, but yeah, he's definitely one to watch. Um, mate, the World Cup. Obviously, got underway. We've had a few games. Um, Been the most I, English thing ever. It has. And, and <laughs> the commentators are doing their best job to not get anyone outside of England's England's team's name right. Um, I, Yeah, it's been a painful watch. The broadcasts have been painful, and it's it's just been a painful experience so far. Well, but, that, that, that opening <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> oh, that was... <laughs> That was the painful. people running and <laughs> did they? They didn't end up letting the bloke sing. I didn't hear him sing. Nah, I didn't see didn't him sing. sing. And I, I just saw a bunch of kids. They were kneeling down and they got up and waved and walked off like that. It was. And then the, the singer was running up and down the field. Oh, it was. It was awful. It was awful. And then but, um, I don't get. Then then we uh, missed ten minutes of the game. Oh yeah, oh. there are a couple times that it happened, and I was just yeah. like, "Are you kidding me? Why?" What, like was... Fox are usually pretty on the money with you know their broadcasts and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. this was this was painful. It was, yeah, I think it was because it was they were they were not the host broadcasters, so BBC or whoever was bloody broadcasting it over there. Fox lost connection and it um <laughs> went to shambles. But didn't England put on a performance? They, they sure really, did. They, they sure really did. said a statement. I I think. And and I'm again. I'm, I have no bias in this game. I'm not trying to take anything away from England. But to me, this said a lot more about Samoa 
and the players that we're accustomed to seeing um, than it did about England because I just think that a lot of these guys are complementary pieces to their to their respective NRL sides. You know, your Bowler for Parramatta, your your uh, your Milford, your your Luai for Penrith. A lot of those Penrith boys actually. Um, Toto. The best the best player for Samoa was Isaac Tungo. Yeah, and it was, and not just because he scored, but he was, yeah. There, 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 but there wasn't a lot to love about what we saw from Samoa, and I, Nothing. and, and I, I just think, if if I if I were the coach, and I'm not not for one second am I trying to act like I I know more than 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 any coach in in NRL circles or rugby league circles, but you've got Tyrone May there, who has played halfback for Panthers when Cleary goes off to Origin, he knows those guys. And I think we've yep. seen enough of Milford at this point to say that he's not a game-managing halfback. He didn't do it well with us. He hasn't done it well with Newcastle, and he doesn't do it well with Samoa. He, at, I think Milford, for, for what this team has, would be best served coming off the bench when the game is, is slowed down and he can get a couple offloads from these bigger guys and play off whim, as opposed to because some of his kicks were pathetic and especially going to Tommy Makinson who was running the ball back with with force and intent um yeah it, it was it was a poor it was a poor performance from the whole of Samoa um yeah I agree you stand out you stand out you you stand out in that game mate from the english side who would you like oh, to look off obviously wellsby he had a, he had a great game i think you know we we haven't heard much about sam tompkins but i think we realized you know they don't call him the english billy slater for nothing he he certainly uh, had a great game. Yeah. Um, Dominic Young, he was good, and I think Victor Radley, he, yeah, he certainly certainly played well. I think the whole, the whole team in general just. And yeah, obviously when they, when they win by sixty, it's 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 you know it's hard to pick out a couple because everyone played yeah. well, but yeah. Believe it or not, so what I've been reading, apparently the Super League has a much quicker ruck speed than the NRL, so I think. Once the English started controlling that rock, they just they took they tore them apart. I was I was very impressed, and it, this is the thing that I thought was very ironic is that um, you've got guys like Crichton, Tungo, To'o, who are known for their you know PCMs and and their big carries out of their end, Sawali as well. Um, but England, they're outside backs who a lot of them see these guys on a weekly basis in the NRL. Dom Young and Herbie Farmworth are not big-name players in the NRL. They're good players. They're NRL-worthy players, but they're not big-name players. They were outshining against guys that would usually not think twice about playing against those yeah. two. Um, so I thought that Dom was amazing. Dom Young made Stuoliti look silly. Oh, and, and he had the hammer on skates as well. The, the, yeah. the, I think the first try that he scored, well, the first couple times that Wellsby threw that cutout pass, the hammer got caught inside where he shouldn't have been. Um, and it wasn't a hard pass. It wasn't a pass that, you know, shocked the world. It was just him playing eyes up footy, playing what's in front of him, and Dom Young being in the perfect position every time to make the, the defence pay. So, yeah, and I just – I think 30 to 6 would have been a shock, but 60, I think, I just – yeah. It, it's not It's not it, often you see a team kick on in the second half better than what they did in the first half. Yeah. Usually if a team's yeah. got the game already, that you know, they start to – to simmer down, take their stars off. England just said, "No, nah, we're put. We're making a statement here. We want, 
and, and I think you saw that, you know, even even George Williams, and I know how much you love Georgie boy, but he he oh. was outstanding. I mean, those halves. Yeah, that's the best game he's had. The, George Williams is a is an organizing half. Milford and Luai are ball running halves, and I swear to God, George Williams made more line breaks than both of them combined. And if he oh, played yeah. that game five times five times over, it would have been the same all over again. He was he was sensational, and I thought the forwards as well. I, you know, as soon as they finished their you know their pregame hucker, I thought Samoa are on here. These big boys, they're gonna they're gonna roll through England. Burgess, Hill, Whitehead, Radley, Thompson, Knowles, Lees, Cooper, they all ran straight through. Yeah. They they took the challenge on and they got the better of them. It was it and was you know what the crazy thing is? Yeah. England have had that many injuries. Like a, a lot of these players aren't first choice um, English players. Yeah, well, f- even like we didn't see Luke Thompson finish the season. We didn't see yeah. Herbie Farnworth finish the season. Exactly. Like, their team, but they look like they've played together for the past, you know, at least two years together. Yeah, um, well, they, they had a and maybe the difference is they had a warm up game and Samoa didn't. Samoa's probably, apart from Australia and Italy, the only two teams that did not have a warm up game. Yeah, but see, this is the thing is where I sort of look at it and go if you ask Penrith to play a World Club challenge the same day that Samoa just played, they would have won. With ease against anyone, they would have beat the English team yeah. with ease. But yeah. so the and there's just no excuses, you know. Samoa for mine, there is enough talent there where they shouldn't have needed a warm up game. We didn't see Australia play a warm up game. Only one or two players from that Prime Minister's team actually played in this game. So for mine, it's not like Australia had a lot of time to warm up. And I'm not saying Fiji is on the same level as England, but. For mine, I'm, I'm, I was really shocked. I was really shocked by Samoa's performance, and I don't actually see a lot of improvement unless they make a couple changes to how the team uh, takes the field for their next game. Yeah, I agree. Um, Australia, 42-8, to eight, not much to say. Everyone that we thought would perform, performed. Um, Scotland losing to Italy. They weren't the first. In fact, Italy were like... That was, a, that was an upset. Yeah. Big upset. Um... Ireland forty eight to two. I don't think Kiri played the full game, <laughs> and he didn't do much he didn't, either. They took him off. They took him off once he once they're up by thirty. Um, New Zealand thirty four to twelve over I Lebanon. Watched a bit of this. I didn't get it to was, watch uh, this, but but this is actually how funky. I thought it would go. I actually very thought funky. Lebanon would do a bit better than people gave credit for. The line was like forty or something. Um, they played well. Yeah, you got to remember. I, I think. Having having good outside backs and good uh, and good forwards is good, and that's what Samoa had. Having good halves is is better than both of those things combined, nearly. Because yeah, you got guys like Mitch Moses and Dewey who can put a decent kick in, know when to give the pass, when to run. And whilst thirty four to twelve, if you're looking at it from an NRL or Super League standpoint, isn't a isn't the prettiest scoreline, given the strengths of both sides. That's a win for Lebanon to say that they hung in the game to a point where it didn't, you know, once a team gets to 40, you, you know, you put the clubs back in the bag and, and you, you know, you pack up shop, but that, that they did well to hang on how they did. I think. Exactly. Anyway. I agree. Um, France and Greece tomorrow. That, that's Greece. Um, I think, I, I don't understand how Greece are paying $10, but 
you know, I'll probably probably realise tomorrow. I mean, there's a couple names in there that are familiar. You got your Ilias, obviously, and then you got Mamazoulis and Magulius. I'm not going to attempt to try and say everyone's name on that that team because uh, I'll trip over my <laughs> my own tongue more than I'm. Uh, you got is that Sasami Sony Lungy? He is he from Newcastle? Yeah, oh, I don't think that's. No, that's not him. That's no, this guy plays him. in the Super League. This bloke plays in the Super League. Uh, I, yeah, very interesting to see that they're a dollar five to grace is ten bucks. That's um, well, I've heard of a few players in this French team, but none that I, you know, they were superstars. But yeah, I no, thought it'd be a bit yeah. more even, evenly, evenly balanced. Um, and then Tonga versus New Guinea. Look, a dollar three Tonga. Now I'm not saying I think New Guinea's going to win, but once a team once the teams get oh their name now, we do have yeah. teams here now, so we'll have a look quickly. No stags, no stags for Tonga. No, ah, no Talakai either. He's been some of the reserves. Um, I like I like New Guinea in this. I like New Guinea. And halves, uh, halves are good more than Tonga, but but I like them. Uh, yeah, Lamb and Labor have played together a few times in the past couple yeah. of years. Those outside backs, that's a st- that that's that matches everything that Tonga's thrown up in the outside backs. I like Coates, I like Olam. Nene McDonald blast from the past, but he's there. Alex Johnson. Like that there's a lot to like about this side. Reese Martin, he played a couple games in, in the NRL a few years back. Um And I think with the with the Papua New Guinea side, like people are gonna say, oh, look at the Tongan forward back, but these Papua New Guinean boys, they're strong, they're tough. They're not gonna mate, get they were down. They were down by a lot. They were down by a lot against us in the Prime Minister's game, yeah. and they started putting on some hits and taking some hit ups that you'd think the game was twelve all. They they this love yeah. rugby league. They love it. This will be the most intense game of the week. I think so. I agree. Um, be the most entertaining. Futures though, where obviously England beat Samoa. They're on the same side as Tonga and Samoa. On the other side, you got Australia, New Zealand. Um, looking ahead sort of towards the finals, semis, quarters, all that nonsense, we assume that on one side, Australia and New Zealand make it. On the other, if possible, do you think it's England and Tonga now? Do you think Samoa, you know, you can't write them off just yet? You know, that they could come good. How do you see it? How do you see the latter start to unfold? Well, look, I think, I, th- I think, um, you know, how do you come back? To beat a team that's put sixty on you, there's no, there's no reason why I can't Samoa make it. But you know, I think, I think it's between Tonga and England at the moment for that spot in the final. And you'd, and you'd, it, you'd probably give. I mean, obviously we haven't seen Tonga play yet, but you'd probably give England the nod at this point. Yeah, of course, being the home team and um, you know having a bit, a bit more structure regarding the halves and spine because you know you look at this Tongan Tongan spine, it's a, it's a bit inexperienced. Did they not take Stags across with them? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Because I'd I be playing. He'd, he'd make it, yeah. So would they I. They've got the young Penrith, well, Dolphins kid, I should say now. Isaiah Katoa there as well. I'd like to see him get a couple games before I make my decision on, on Tonga versus England. But uh, Sonny Luke as well. I'm excited to see him play for Penrith first grade next year. Yeah, I agree. There'll be a nice, nice rotation between him and uh, Mitch Kenny. Yeah. Um, if you had to put your money on it now, mate, 
are we are we staying strong with Australia or do you like New Zealand? Do you like England? What do you I think? Still, I, I still like New Zealand. I think their their forward pack second to none. They were a bit clunky today, but um, look, they played a good side. But I think when it comes down to the nitty gritty, their forwards can really match it with anyone. What What was the news? What was the news on Jerome Hughes? Why didn't he play? Uh, what was that? I'm not too sure. I think it was a strain or something. I I, I saw the headline he was out, but I, I really couldn't. So he had a minor injury. Head. It wasn't just a rest. Yeah. It was, it yeah, was it putting was him on ice injury. or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We, yeah. They put him on ice for the rest of the, the group stage because they play Jamaica next week. Then they play Ireland. So, you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean... The, I've seen I've seen some of the groups and those top teams. It's a real snooze. That's why it's actually interesting seeing some of these top top of the group clashes like England and some old to see who actually has the edge going into those final series when everything becomes. Um, and you know what tough. I like. What I what I heard. If you make the quarterfinals, you automatically qualify for the next World Cup. So, you know, if a if an Ireland or Italy or a Cook Islands or Lebanon make it. They're through to the next World Cup automatically. That'll be good for them. I heard, I heard one team that qualified for this World Cup got absolutely battered by some place I didn't even know was a country. It's kind of funny once we get into a World Cup, seeing some of the the countries that make it that I, I've never seen play before and don't have a yeah. single NRL player. Jamaica, um, Jamaica, they were there for the last one as well, though, weren't they? Nah, nah, nah. The USA who took their. I think they beat the USA to make it. See what? Like that's what I want. I want to see these games get played because for them, are they celebrating when they wait? They make the World Cup. Do they know they've made the World Cup? Do they even know what rugby league is before they take the field? You know what I mean? Do America get tackled and they start setting up to throw the ball long? Like what? Exactly. I want to see some of these games in action, but. yeah, it's hard to go past Australia, New Zealand, England, the the three the three big dogs. Um and England, you know, you heard a lot of it from the commentators and like you said, it's you know, it's their their home tournament and their home commentators. But I had to agree with the fact that they said the one thing they've always lacked in the past against those top sides is the finesse, you know, having guys in the spine that that are on not on par but are up to, you know, top-tier standard. And yeah. looking at that English spine from the other night, you had Tompkins, Wellsby, Williams, and was it McClorum? Yeah, Mike McClorum. And they're missing their, their two, you know, their number one and number two hooker in Josh Hodgson and Daryl Clark. Yeah, so that there's there's a lot to like there. So don't... I had, I had England written off before the tournament started. Just goes to show you don't... Don't can't can't ever write off a team too soon. So. You know who else was missing for that English team? Who's that? John Bateman. Yes, he was too. So yeah, yeah. So That's how well they played, there's still a few to come back. Exactly. Scary hour as well. well. We'll probably get one of these done after a few more games have happened. But Nos, thank you for joining me. Hope you guys enjoyed Pleasure. this. We'll catch you next time, boys. Thank you.